Hi everyone. I am so excited that you are here listening to the If Nothing Else podcast. Today we are going to be talking about Exodus 11 and 12, which is the 10th plague or the Passover. We're looking specifically at what the Passover is, since this is the first Passover ever. This is when the Passover was essentially created. We're going to look at what that means for us and how that foreshadows and prophesies the coming of Jesus and his death and resurrection on the cross. So I hope you enjoy this episode and enjoy. All right, let's jump into today's episode. So today we are looking at the 10th and final plague. So if you haven't already, go listen to last the last episode. We go through the nine plagues, the first nine, and we look at the pattern that can be seen within all nine of those plagues. And then there's a few takeaways at the end. But today we'll be looking at the 10th plague, which is known as the death of the firstborn. Um, it's also known as Passover. This is where Passover originated from. We will go through some scripture, look at what exactly it means, but also we will look at how this first Passover in Exodus 12 is prophetic and points our eyes to Jesus. So we're going to go through a lot of scripture today. So I want to encourage you to really listen in on the scripture. Don't tune out when I start reading because at the end of the day, I want you to know God's word. So we're going to jump in starting in Exodus 11 verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you out of here. Now announce to the people that both men and women should ask their neighbors for silver and gold items. The Lord gave the people favor with the Egyptians. In addition, Moses himself was very highly regarded in the land of Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt and every firstborn male in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the servant girl who is at the grindstones, as well as every firstborn of the livestock. Then there will be a great cry of anguish throughout all the land of Egypt such as never was before and ever will be again. But against all the Israelites, whether people or animals, not even a dog will snarl so that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come down to me and bow before me, saying, get out, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will get out. And he went out from Pharaoh's presence, fiercely angry. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out from his land. All right, so that's Exodus 11, and we see God telling Moses what's going to happen and then we see Moses going and telling Pharaoh what the Lord said is going to happen. So he's telling Pharaoh that at midnight, God will go throughout Egypt and every firstborn male in Egypt will die. But when it comes to Israel, God is going to spare Israel and the firstborn males and animals 
to make a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So Exodus 4, 21 through 23 says, The Lord instructed Moses, when you go back to Egypt, make sure you do before Pharaoh all the wonders that I have put within your power. But I will harden his heart so that you won't let the people go. And you will say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go. Look, I'm about to kill your firstborn son. So that's back in Exodus 4. And right now we're reading in Exodus 11. So we see God telling Moses beforehand, this is what's going to happen. Pharaoh's heart is going to be hard and he's not going to let Israel go. So I'm going to kill your firstborn son. And here it is coming alive right now in Exodus 11, we are reading it. So since Egypt would not let God's firstborn go, which is Israel, the firstborn of Egypt would be killed. And if we think about how important the firstborn male is in families back in that day, it really puts weight to this plague because the firstborn male in the family would get the inheritance when it comes to real estate, the name, they're just highly regarded in comparison to the other children that the families have. And we talk about this um, in some of our Genesis episodes, just how the firstborn male, firstborn of the family are the ones who receive the inheritance. So the fact that the firstborn males are the ones who are going to be killed in the land of Egypt, it puts so much more weight to this plague. I also want to point out that in the last episode, we talked about a pattern is that Pharaoh hardened his heart over and over again after each plague. And also towards the end, it started saying that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So I want to mention here that it says before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So Moses and Aaron did all of these things. They told him exactly what's going to happen, but God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's so that the power and the wonder of God would be displayed throughout these works. And then one last thing that I want to mention about Exodus 11, before we move on to the next chapter, is that not only will the Egyptians end up letting the Israelites go, but they will actually command that the Israelites will go. They will want them to go. And you'll, if you read later in Exodus 12, it actually says that they give Israel things to take with them like silver and gold. So not only are they like saying, yes, y'all can go, but they are like commanding them. They're saying, please go get out of here. So let's move on to Exodus 12. We're going to read verses one through 14. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their fathers, families, one family, one animal per family. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. 
They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts in the lintel of the house where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire, its head as well as its legs and inner organs. You must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning, you must burn. Here's how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel. Your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. So we see here that God is telling them to get an unblemished lamb and to leave this lamb in your house for a few days. And then you would put the blood of the lamb, unblemished lamb, on your doorway. It says specifically to put on the doorpost and the lintel of the house. Now, some say that putting it in these places on the door would make the blood drip down from the middle, which forms a figure of a cross on the doorway. Also, verse 11 says how they are to do this. It says that you put the blood on the doorway and then... When you eat the lamb, you must be dressed for travel. It says with your sandals on and your staff in your hand. So this is so interesting because we know that God has told them that they are about to be let out of Egypt. They're about to be able to go. Like Egypt is going to command them. They're going to give them stuff to get them out of Egypt. And so while they're eating this meal, they are to eat it in a hurry they're supposed to eat it dressed for travel with your shoes on your feet. So this just screams faith to me. Like they, obviously at this point, they haven't been commanded to leave yet. They haven't been allowed to leave yet, but they're doing this out of faith. They are saying, we just did what the Lord commanded us to do. So in faith, we are going to be ready to go. We've got all of our stuff together. We're ready to travel. We've got our, we're dressed for travel. We've got our shoes on our feet. So they were in faith, ready for this deliverance. They were ready to leave Egypt just as God said they would a few chapters prior. Okay, let's read a little bit more of Exodus 12. We're going to be reading verses 21 through 23, which says, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go, select an animal from the flock according to your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and brush the lintel and the two doorposts with some blood of, with some of the blood in the basin. None of you may go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, he will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter your house to strike you. Okay, this is where we will 
stop reading today. So I would recommend to keep reading to see exactly what happens when the firstborn die and Pharaoh commands them to leave and Israel gets all of these things that they are able to take with themselves. It's truly amazing to see exactly what God told them in a few chapters prior is coming true, like exactly how it was said. But we're going to stop here and dive deep into what the Passover means. So let's start with the hyssop. So it says, take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and brush the lentil and the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. So they're essentially mixing hyssop and blood and they're using that to mark their doors. So God looked for blood and when he sees it, that means that he will pass over that family, that they won't be involved in this plague. No plague will attack them. It says specifically that God will not let the destroyer enter their house. So God doesn't pass over Israel because he knows, well, this family serves me. This family does this. And this family is holy. This one's righteous. God is simply just going, passing through Egypt and looking for which doors have blood on it. So it's not based on Israel or how the families act or their devotion to the Lord. It's their obedience in putting the blood on the door. So God passes over these doors because of the unblemished lamb that died in their place and because of the blood on their door. So this might be, you might be thinking, This is exactly what Jesus did, and you are right. There's so much prophecy within these chapters, so I am going to go over a few of them, and this isn't even all of them. I'm sure as we were reading, you were thinking of some, like, oh, this sounds familiar, like this is in the gospel, Um, but let's just go through a few of them. Um, It's truly amazing to see what occurred during the Passover and how similar it is to the gospel. So the first one is just the Passover in general. So we know this is where the Passover started. That's why it's called Passover, because God saw the blood and passed over their house and spared their life. So in John 19, 14, it says, It was a preparation day for the Passover, and it was about noon. Then he told the Jews, Here is your king. So this verse is right before Jesus was crucified. It says it was the preparation day for the Passover. So we don't know if it was exactly the Passover day or right next to it, but we know that it was around Passover, that they were celebrating Passover is when Jesus died on the cross. So in the account in Exodus that we were just reading, it was Passover when their life was spared because of the blood that was on the doorposts. And then in the gospel, it is on Passover when Jesus died on a cross and his blood is the one that saved us and spared our life. So there's a similarity between the two in that they were both on Passover. The next one is that it had to be an unblemished lamb. So God commanded the people of Israel to get an unblemished lamb. And that was the lamb that they would use to apply the door to or apply the blood to the door and that they would eat after they applied the blood. So 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, clean out the old 
leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So we're seeing here, it's talking about Passover and that Jesus specifically, he is specifically our Passover lamb that has been sacrificed so that our life is spared, so that we won't go to hell, but we can be with God forever and eternity. And then John 1.29 is John the Baptist seeing Jesus walking toward him. And John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist is specifically calling Jesus a Lamb of God. But let's read one that's talking about an unblemished lamb, just like how God commanded the Israelites to find an unblemished lamb in Exodus 12. 1 Peter 1.19 says, But with the precious blood of Christ like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. So it says that it is the blood of Christ that has saved us. It's the blood of Jesus, an unblemished and spotless lamb, that Passover lamb. The next one is the death of the firstborn. And this is interesting because... We see that God said that the firstborn males in Egypt will all die. And I want to note too, that right after Jesus was born, the king was after him and made a decree that all of the males, I think under two years old, I'm pretty sure, um, will be killed. So it's very interesting. It's not specifically the firstborn, but it's young male who they were going after the God's firstborn. They're the Egyptians and then the king are both going after God's firstborn, whether it's Israel, like we see in Exodus, or if it's Jesus that we're seeing in Matthew. But Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. So this verse specifically notes that we are set free from our sins because of his blood. And then it notes that he is the firstborn. Jesus Christ is the firstborn. So Exodus is foreshadowing to Jesus coming, the firstborn who is coming to set us free by his blood. The next one is the blood being on the door as a distinguishing mark. So we know, we just read in Exodus, that they are to kill the lamb, the unblemished lamb, and put the blood on the doors. And that would be a distinguishing mark so that God would either God would know to pass over the Israelites and then the Egyptians who didn't weren't commanded to put the blood on their door, their firstborn would be killed. So that was a distinguishing mark between the two was the blood on the door. So Matthew 27 says that Jesus was nailed on the cross. So if the blood on the door did make a cross, if it dripped down to make a cross, we know that Jesus was also nailed to a cross. So it was a picture of what was to come. But also this distinguishing mark is that when we accept Jesus as our savior, we are covered by the blood. What separates us and from everyone else is that we have this distinguishing mark, which is the blood, just like how 
the Israelites had this distinguishing mark, which was the blood on their doors. The next one, which is so specific and so intentional, is the hyssop, which it just notes the hyssop barely in Exodus, but we actually see it a lot throughout scripture. We see it a lot in Leviticus, but I want to mention two other places in scripture that note that write about hyssop. So hyssop is used in scripture to apply blood for the cleansing of sin. Psalm 51, seven says, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. So in this Psalm, hyssop is the one that is purifying David, the one that is cleaning and washing him. And then in John 19, 29, it says a jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. So this is when Jesus was on the cross. They were making fun of him because Jesus was thirsty. So they gave him sour wine with hyssop to drink. And this is a picture of the hyssop that Jesus was that they were trying to get Jesus to drink in the blood that was poured out on the cross to save and spare all of our lives. And then in Exodus, this hyssop was applied with the blood to the doors to spare the Israelites' life, lives. So the next one is that simply the blood saved them. We know that that's why their lives were spared. We know that God passed over their doors. They He left their families alone because he saw blood on the door. That was the distinguishing mark. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This verse is saying that it's his blood is what gives us redemption, that gives us, lets us be forgiven by the Lord, that forgives our trespasses, and it, that gets all comes from his grace. So in the same way, it's his blood that is saving us. The last one is about eating the Passover lamb. So specifically, God is mentioning to the Israelites in Exodus 12 that they are to eat the lamb after they have used the blood. So two verses that I want to note here is John 6.35. It says, this is Jesus talking, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. So Jesus is saying that spiritually he is food, that he is the bread of life, that no one will ever be hungry or thirsty again if they believe in him. And then John 6, 52 through 56 says, At that, the Jews argued among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Because my flesh is true food and my blood is true, true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So this is why we take communion because his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink. Not that we actually need to be, to go and eat his flesh and drink his blood, but we take communion and remembrance of him. It's a symbol of what he did on the cross. It's a remembrance of what he did in the cross 
It's remembrance that what he did on the cross is enough for us, that everything that we need is found in him, that we will no longer be hungry or thirsty in him. So in Exodus, God commanded they, that they eat the lamb after they have applied the blood. In the same way, Jesus says that we are to feast in him, that we are to eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, that that is where all provisions are found, that he is providing for us, that he is everything that we need, that we don't need anything else because everything that we need is found in him. So isn't that amazing? It's so cool how specific the prophecy is in Exodus 11 and 12. It, there are so many similarities and it's just foreshadowing to Jesus's coming. And that in the same way that God is sparing Israel, Jesus spared our life on the cross. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. To stay updated, follow at If Nothing Else Podcast on Instagram. Feel free to DM me with any questions or if you want to connect. Don't forget to spend time in God's presence today and I am praying for all of you. Bye guys.